If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hey folks, Dr. Tim Jordan back here with you with the podcast Raising Daughters. Thanks so much for stopping by every week and listening in. And as you know, I sometimes just go off on a topic on my own, but I also interview a lot of authors whose books I find interesting. And that's what we're going to do today. I have the author, co-author, I guess, of a book that just came out, I think, in the last month. It's called Wise Decisions, A Science-Based Approach to Making Better Choices. So I th- I, it's a good book. I read it. And so uh, the authors are Dr. Jim Lohr and Dr. Sheila Olson. And we got the better of the pair. We get Dr. Sheila Olson today <laughs> to help us talk about how do you help your uh, sons and daughters? This is Raising Daughters, a podcast, but everything we talk about today is going to also apply to boys. Um, how do you help them learn how to make good choices? And I know every parent out there worries about the choices their kids make, especially when they get into middle school and high school. So do you want me to call you Dr. Sheila, Dr. Olson? What do you? Sheila. Just Sheila. straight up. Okay. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on, on Raising Daughters. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So tell 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 people in a nutshell what you do. So I am uh, a behavioral geneticist. Uh, I did my PhD. Um, that's my son. Sorry. <laughs> um, I did my PhD working in on a big twin study in London called the Twins Early Development Study. Uh, examining nature, nurture, and behavior. Um, so how genes in the environment affect uh, you know, human development over time. And uh, I was the first uh, doctoral student to focus on education. So how nature and nurture play out in the classroom, looking at identical and fraternal twins to see, you know, how, how, you know, how we're shaped by nurture and nature. And um, so that's my, my background training. I, I did a pivot out of finance. I was an investment portfolio manager before that, but that's a whole different story. Um, my <laughs> career now... Uh, is very intrinsically motivating, and uh, I love it. And um, I love especially being able to talk about some of the things that I've learned over time as the mother of three boys. Um, so, uh, but as as uh, Dr. Tim said, you know, this these concepts apply to there they go across gender. Um, so, uh, but it, it's nature and nurture. If anyone is still stuck on the nature versus nurture debate, it's both. The science of epigenetics, you know, really bears out how nature operates via nurture. And so, you know, not only the things that we do are, you know, basic lifestyle, self-care factors and so forth, exercise, sleep, uh, positive relationships, nutrition, all those things, stress management, um, and the meaning we make out of situations in our lives all affect how our genes are read and expressed. And um, so the decision-making book that that Jim Lair and I wrote, which was really um, just uh, an amazing experience. He's an extraordinary human being, and I'm just grateful to be able to work with him and learn from him, um, is really all about how we can, uh, you know, how we can, as adults, unpack our decision-making processes um, that we've that have been sort of auto, automatic for us. We don't. We often don't even know we're making decisions. We're not even aware that we're making decisions. 
um, and in and being aware and unpacking our own decision making processes and why we're deciding the things that we're deciding, uh, we are we can model for our children and our students and our athletes. If you're a coach or grandchildren, um, you know uh, a way of being and showing up in the world and managing life's slings and arrows, as, as Shakespeare said. Um, and uh, those things, the way we manage uh, the difficult things are particularly important in terms of, you know, how how nature operates via nurture. So if we want the best for our kids, having a process in place to make decisions along the way um, is going to help them throughout life. So that's why Jim and I wrote the book. And, and uh, I love talking about it. So I'm just grateful to be here. So we're talking to Dr. Sheila Olson, who is the co-author of a new book, brand new book called Wise Decisions. And when I work with girls in the retreats, and my summer camps, I actually have a weekend retreat this weekend for high school girls. And I guarantee it. One of the things that we'll probably talk about, they're always different, but we'll probably talk about is experiences that they've had along the way that cause them to have thoughts about themselves. And those thoughts end up becoming beliefs. And oftentimes they're not healthy ones. And that obviously has an impact on their decision-making. And you talk about that in your book. Can you unpack that a little bit for our listeners? Absolutely. So we write in the book about our inner voice and the, our inner voice is really uh, where the rubber hits the road. It's it's powerful. It informs um, how we make meaning of the events in our lives. Uh, whether we are, you know, we uh, experience something as as fearful and anxiety provoking, or um, ex, you know, exciting and opportunity um, that is the source of rumination um, and you know, anxiety that can really take us down a, a rabbit hole and um, and so this is, we talk about in the book, Inner Voice 1 and Inner Voice 2. Um, and just as a bit of background, Jim's Jim's kind of training as a sports psychologist and one of the leaders um, of the field of performance psychology worked with world-class athletes over time to help them train their inner voice. And the, the, the headline here is that the inner voice is trainable. Um, and just realizing that we have an inner voice that's messaging us in a certain way um, and then reprogramming that message to something that is helpful and adaptive and resilience building um, is uh, it's entirely within our uh, capacity to, to do. And this is how, this is again, how nature operates via nurture. So that inner voice that might be carrying us down a rabbit hole, um, often it can spiral out on the inside um, and being able to recognize A, the messages that it's telling us and then being able to unpack those in the light of day. Um, often these are these are um, emotions that are not necessarily based in truth. Um, they are they become exacerbated and much larger than life. And uh, it, you know, in rumination, uh, it also um, exacerbates sort of chronic stress biochemistry, which can make everything a bit you know worse over time. So having strategies a to be aware that the inner voice, you know, it's I, we call IV1 and IV2 um, and upshifting to an inner voice that's saying, you know what, I feel really anxious right now, being aware of the emotion, name it to tame it, being aware of, of, of what we're feeling or helping our children be aware of their emotions and what they're feeling um, to be able to, uh, and to be able to recognize also that emotions are transient, like clouds that blow in the sky um, and just be patient. These are impermanent um, you know, situations that, that, that color everything else that we are 
thinking of. They're really like the kind of priming on the canvas of, of our cognitive thoughts and what happened in our lives. So having strategies to A, recognize um, uh, when that inner voice is taking us in a negative direction. Um, uh, and then having strategies in place, whether that's, you know, breath, you know, big in, big out, all the way out to ground us back inside ourselves, taking a step outside into nature, looking up at the sky, calling a friend, uh, exercising, physical activity, um, you know, exercise biochemistry is incredibly powerful and creating a bit of Paul, a space between the anxiety provoking thoughts and, and reality and being able to come home to ourselves in a bit, uh, uh, you know, come, come home to ourselves in order to recognize, um, that, uh, that you know we're not stuck in a certain place. We actually do have agency and capacity to get out um, and uh, and forge an intentional road ahead. And realize, yes, that was a very difficult moment. Or yes, I'm thinking these thoughts about uh, myself right now. Um, but um, here's the truth, uh, and um, and I have the ability to uh, create an inner voice that is much more powerful. That is a an inner coach rather than an inner adversary. Yeah, one of the suggestions you had in your book was about, I think this was your book, was about creating kind of a, a committee in your mind of people that you trust. Yes. Whether it's your best friend, your dad, your mom, a grandfather, a coach, someone that, you know, that you love and, and who cares about you. And if you can kind of have them in your mind in those moments, that that committee can help you look at things in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. We write in the book about Yoda and Yoda stands for your own decision advisor. And we all have Yoda inside of us. And this is the inner voice too. This is the one that gets trained, uh, that we we have the ability to train. Um, the outer voice is the same. There's an outer voice one and an outer voice two. Uh, and uh, again, retraining that, you know, kind of more reactive outer voice one to outer voice two, because the things that we say have impact on the people around us. But staying with, with Yoda, um, what we wrote about is the Yoda advisory board. And having a handful of people that we know that we can count on, who love us for who we are, who we trust, um, and who we respect uh, in terms of their capacity to make decisions, uh, we we respect them. And so knowing who those people are, not only holding them in our minds, which is one piece of it, but being able to call them up and say, you know what, I'm really struggling with this, or I'm really feeling badly about myself, or I've got these, you know, these thoughts that I'm not really sure what to do with. Um, calling up someone who you know is going to be there and has your best interests in mind, particularly as it, for, for all of us, but particularly for young people, because um, youth is what is called a sensitive uh, period in development, childhood and adolescence, and, and we're forming uh, habits and behaviors and mindsets at this period of time that are stickier than, than in any other developmental period across life. So it's really during this chapter that we're wiring up uh, skills that are going to, you know, help us across life or on the downside, they can be, you know, we can be wiring up the inter adversary, which is suboptimal and not, not yeah. the, not the reason we wrote the book. Not your so. best friend. You know, <laughs> yes. I run a group for high school girls every two weeks. I, we, I just had one of the groups last night and uh, two of the girls were talking about how their moms are really unreasonable. And these moms really are unreasonable. Mm -hmm. And I think probably have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And so these girls feel like they're crazy because because of their mom, they're and they they feel responsible for their mom's stuff and all. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that they committed to do was anytime they were doubting themselves be, because their mom was, you know, filling their minds with all kinds of junk. Yeah, um, gaslighting. 
that they would call one of the people in the group and say, I, I, this is going on. Please tell me it's not me. To, please tell me I'm not crazy. Right. I'd like Because sometimes uh, you just need someone to say it's not you. Right. Absolutely. And I, that it's, it's such an important point because it doesn't take more than one person who's really just with you there in the moment with their full presence um, in a caring and supportive way. I get you. I care about you. You're okay. I'm here. It's that human presence that really it's 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 the magic fairy dust of yeah. getting through tough times. And there are other pieces to that equation of managing difficult situations and you know all those lifestyle things that I mentioned earlier. But people, one-on-one uh, -on -one particular relationships where um, we can go and just let it all hang out. Doesn't have to be pretty. Doesn't have to be organized. It just is. And and knowing that we're felt and heard and valued and cared for as we are, that's everything. Yeah. I did, about a week ago, I recorded a podcast. I had four high school girls, uh, some of my campers, and they were they were talking about how scared they are to grow up. They don't mm -hmm. want to grow up. They're scared to grow up. And so I thought that'd be an interesting thing for parents to hear. But anyway, one of the things that they talked about was they're freaked out about having to make adult decisions. Mm. And and what they kind of came to in our little conversation was they all felt like because their parents had been doing too much for them and hadn't allowed them along the way to make choices and make decisions and experience the positive or negative consequences of those choices, that mm -hmm. they felt ill-prepared. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if that's something you found, too, with your research for your book. Well, that's certainly uh, an, an issue in our society, the helicopter, snowplow even curling parents who are kind of getting the ice chips out of the way so the curling ball can make its way down the ice. Um, we need Ooh, I to like fail. That. I <laughs> we need to fail as human beings and we need to make adaptive meaning out of it, grow from it. There's always some way to find um, positive growth out of hard experiences. I, I know I've lived it um, and, um, and that this is what the data shows. This is what, you know, um, this is, this is, this is the truth of it. These are the things that we have control over and controlling the controllables is vital and having the mental clarity to be able to kind of label our emotions and name them to tame them. Um, I highly recommend um, Mark Brackett's book, uh, Permission to Feel. He is a founder of the uh, Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence and their app um, called uh, How Am I Feeling? Let's see, let me just double check this, um, is was one of the Apple apps of the year. Uh, this year, but it, it it is practice for us in n labeling our emotions and getting granular about what those are, so we can um, have a uh, have a sense for what's going on. And naming it always helps us take kind of a de um, kind of de amplify or de escalate um, the actual thought going on. We can recognize that if we're feeling angry or anxious or frustrated, this may be it may be a time for us to to just kind of find some peace and space and back off and um, uh, not making a decision, not make an important decision in that kind of a moment. Um, but getting back um, to Yoda and decision-making and growing into being an adult, I'm actually working with some high school students, juniors and seniors with our book as curriculum. And I was in class yesterday and we were working on our Yoda codes. I love the Yoda codes um, because they are uh, a way for, uh, really a beacon for our true north to help guide decision making and if 
you know, if there are pressures that 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 young people feel around getting good grades and performance and being valued for human doing over human being, um, those kinds of things, um, what's important for them to know or, or really reflect on and think about is what's really important to them. How do they want to show up in in life? And um, and so we have a list of about 100 words in the book, but they're just, you know, starting points. Any words can work. But, develop, you know, picking five or six words that describe who uh, who we are at our very best, who we want to be, how we want to show up in hard moments and positive moments, how we want to show up for our friends, how we want to be thought of uh, by the people who know us the best and love us the most. Um, like that Maya Angelou quote, it doesn't, you know, I've learned I forget, you know, a person's name and what they did, uh, but I never forget how that person made me feel. Um, and so it really comes to this um, sense of what kind of a human being uh, do, do, you know, do we want to be? And we can align our decisions in accordance with our Yoda codes. So for instance, my Yoda code is kindness, generosity, gratitude, integrity, courage, and humility. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that regardless of if I have a good day, bad day, stress, you know, what have you, I try to just keep myself in that place where I'm I'm doing those things. It has nothing to do with success or how many papers I've published or uh, if I've won a tennis tournament or anything along those lines with anything achievement or performance oriented. It's really around the person that I am. And this is what we know that over time, these things matter the most in terms of our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, um, you know, really aligning the things that we, uh, how we show up in the world and operate with the things that we care about the most. And it's like a, you know, it's like a GPS system where we can plug in, we can know where we are, but having a GPS uh, destination um, helps us get to where we're going to go. And this doesn't mean we're not going to mess up sometimes and make some poor decisions and so forth, but we we just, we can get back on the path towards that beacon of, um, uh, you know, making the types of decisions that um, are really going to serve us over time in terms of being the person that we want to be. And performance and all that other stuff, that scaffolds on top of the basics, the the, the human being parts, the, the self-love, loving ourselves, valuing ourselves, being generous and, and caring and forgiving with ourselves um, and taking care of ourselves in the way that we know is, is uh, um, vital for good decision-making. And it all starts, you know, our chapter one is on health and how health mm-hmm. ignites wise decision-making. So we're talking with Dr. Sheila Olson, who is the co-author of a brand new book called Wise Decisions, a science-based approach to making better choices. Now, it's interesting that a lot of businesses and corporations take the time to set their end in mind, um, but yet families oftentimes don't, and neither do individual kids, and especially teens, like you're talking about, there's, a, there's an example in your book, um, you call it a tombstone legacy. Like mm-hmm. you have your six words is like your North Star or your end in mind. Um, I was thinking this weekend, I might have the kids, you know, decorate a tombstone of some sort and then think about what their legacy is. Mm-hmm. I've had them in the past write out their eulogy. It's a similar kind of process, but I, mm-hmm. I like having it boiled down to like six words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's powerful. And as I, as I was in class with these students yesterday, who, by the way, posted their Yoda codes in various places, something we talk about in the book. 
Um, I've got a sticky note in the kitchen window. I've got one in my bathroom yeah. mirror. It's uh, but these are all cues to remind us to create habits around, you know, what how we want to rewire our you know mind body systems. Um, but the tombstone legacy is 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 powerful, and um, just the just the process of going through and choosing the words the, the, to a T. They said yesterday, and there were young men and young women in the class. You know, it, it's hard to pick words because they're really they're they're very similar. And you have to really sit down and think about the words that are that really um, are the right words for me. I had to find the word that was just the right word for me, and it takes some time. So it's 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 a wonderful reflective exercise to go through. Um, but it, it almost I feel personally, at least, and this is what the students reported to, it just gives them something to strive for, and it takes the pressure off because it's not about all these performance things that we get ramped up about or what's happening on social media or what have you. It's about controlling mm. the things that we have control over and these things that we know from decades, hundreds of years of research matter the most over time, the things rooted in character and, and who we are as human beings. And I think this is what I find with the girls I work with a lot is that they're, they spend so much time doing things to please their parents, to not disappoint their parents. And it's not about what, well, what is right for me. And there's, there's a nice transition where your parents know what's best for you, but at some point, maybe they don't, and maybe they shouldn't. At some point you need to kind of pick up the ball and say, actually, this is my life now. I need, I need to start thinking about what is right for me. Or maybe they never did. Maybe yeah. their dream for their child is something that is rooted in something that they wanted to happen and live out in their own lives. And I, you know, that happens over and over again. So, um, and maybe the parents, you know, journey in life was, was, was kind of the blueprint was set by their parent who had the same situation happen. So this is how these things cross generations. This is why it's so important to, to, to take a step back and really recognize what is what is important for us are these attitudes and beliefs that we've held throughout our lives um are they really our attitudes and beliefs or are they or you know or, or, or is there room for for growth or flexibility and thinking about things in a, in a through a lens that is more apropos for who we are and not just things that we picked up as part of our sort of family story that we slot ourselves into you talk in your book about uh, accessing, I'll use my words, accessing, being aware of, and trusting your inner voice. And mm -hmm. I think that's easy to say. And we yeah. probably tell our kids, you know, trust your gut and all that. But I think sometimes it's hard for parents to know, well, how do I teach my son or daughter to do that? So if you can give our listeners a few suggestions about that. Yeah. So um, it's a great question. And the, the one thing we really try to underscore in the book is the power of the body. Uh, to provide valuable information. When we're born, we're just a big giant sensory system. You know, we've got to be attached with our mom. Um, it's important that we are, you know, we're close. There's physical touch, there's smell, there's, you know, there's the emotions are, are primal and primary and helping us uh, survive. As we get older, we tend to push those, you know, signals and so forth off to the side. But because those are the first systems to really wire up uh, in ourselves, um, they tend to be, you know, a they are uh, you know, they were designed for our, for our survival, and they also emotions are data. They provide incredibly important information, and um, and they're not always right. You know, we can we can making decisions when we're overly excited or overly blue 
um, is probably not a good emotional place to make a decision from. But A, just recognizing um, when decision points are upon us, thinking about, you know, taking a breath, thinking about our, our mood state, how we're, how we're feeling and, um, you know, and, and listening, is my chest tight or my, am I clenching my fist? Is my jaw tight? Um, is my, uh, you know, uh, do I have a stomach ache? These are the, the somatic or the body, you know, um, these are the body's, body's way of saying something's going on. And sometimes, you know, in this performance oriented society that we're in, we tend to override the system and just keep going and going and going and going. Um, our bodies have valuable information and integrating that into, you know, the, you know, the, the bigger picture data set as a scientist, you know, we, we, we get to operate from the data that is in our data set and not overriding the emotional piece, you know, intellectual gets, gives us part of the story, certainly not the whole story. Um, and then, you know, again, aligning it with our, we talk about the four multidimensional levels of health, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. For spiritual, we mean our high, higher order values and beliefs, sort of our Yoda code, those things that are the most important for us, um, really integrating all those things in. So if I'm making a decision, um, you know, how, 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 is, how am I going to feel about this decision, you know, six months from now, next week, a year from now, 10 years from now? Is this how I want to? Is this how I want to show up? Am, am I being my my best version of of uh, of myself? Um, and uh, and sometimes emotions can tell us things that we're not getting from the intellectual side of things. And especially if we've got parents or other people coming in with their own versions of what they think we should do. And this is time again where having space, physical space, to really uh, sit back. Um, writing is very helpful. Handwriting in a journal. Um, the the neurological uh, neurobiological studies show that uh, physical handwriting instead of keyboarding, you're using much more of your whole brain, the default mode that is the kind of seat of creativity and connects the dots, and it's much more powerful for a reflective consciousness. Um, writing down, you know, writing writing down your thoughts and ideas, um, so that um, you can you know really learn what what's your intuition saying and not being judgmental about what the outcome is because um, ultimately um, we get to build our own yodas and that takes time and practice um, so we're talking with uh, author dr sheila olson who just came out with a brand new book called wise decisions a science-based approach to making better choices yeah i, I like uh what you're saying about all the things about intuition and one of the things i think that is hard for the girls I work with is they have no clue how to have quiet time. And a lot of them are scared to death of it because when they get alone and quiet, they get lonely and they, and they're all those thoughts, they start to ruminate and then it's, and so they avoid it like the plague. And so they sometimes don't take the time to be able to access what is going on and what, what do I want and what I'm getting these body signals. What is it telling me? They don't know how to be quiet and check in. Yeah. I think that's, um, it's a, um, voracious in our society today. Uh, downtime is hard to come by with social media and cell phones and devices and so forth. Um, and it does require practice just like anything else. It's a learned skill and, um, time in spending time in nature is, uh, incredibly helpful just to be able to be out away from anything that reminds us of 
anything at home that feels stressful or you know pressureful. Um, I often take my journal out and go for a hike or a walk, and I'll you know think and write. Um, I find that very helpful. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a learned skill is the point. And yeah. what we what we know and what we know from the you know meditation studies, and this is not you know sit in a room and meditate for an hour with your knees you know with your legs crossed. This is even you know five ten minutes of of um, meditation or mindful breathing a day where we're breathing all the way in and all the way out. It slows down the brain. It fosters uh, connectivity across the whole brain, and it calms the sympathetic nervous system, which allows us to come home to ourselves in a way, which is the goal. When we can be uh, quiet and on our own and not feel threatened that we're, you know, there's, there's anything wrong with us. And we're, you know, there's a difference between solitude and lon loneliness. Solitude is incredibly healing. Loneliness is a perceived feeling that, um, you know, that we're, we're, it's more of a forced state. And the important part is that what we perceive to be true you know, our reality, what's what's real in the mind is real in the body. And so biochemically, the things that we believe to be true um, play out under the skin as well. So feeling like we're isolated or we're, you know, in the out group um, can produce chronic stress, biochemistry, and solitude pr produces just the opposite. So maybe, you know, starting in baby doses, maybe like literally a minute you know, just try to sit down for a minute and, um, you know, hug yourself, um, just breathe, feel what it feels like to sit in a chair and not have any expectations um, of yourself. Uh, and then and then build up from there because ultimately, you know, we are for our entire lives, there's only one person we're gonna wake up with in the morning and go to bed with at night. And that is us, each of us as individuals. And so learning to love ourselves uh, and and um, learning to uh, be in solitude and and to value who we are, it's part of that process of giving us a stable base to really handle, uh, you know, the the things that might come our way, the hard things that might come our way, and be a better version of ourselves on the upside as well. You know, one of the things that that the girls described when I interviewed them a few weeks ago in the podcast, that podcast will be coming out sometime in the next few weeks. They were talking about, and I hear this a lot. They get overwhelmed because there's so many choices, especially mm -hmm. when they're thinking about their future, their career. And I see kids now in my retreats who are as young as fifth grade stressed out. And I will, I will ask them, you know, what are you so stressed about? And they're not saying their friendships. They're not saying middle school. What they're saying is my career. They'll say college. I'm hearing it younger and younger. And mm -hmm. part of that stress about that is there in, in these girls. And I think it's true. These young women's minds is there are so many choices that I don't I get lost in them. Mm -hmm. This is where the emotions and the intuition piece comes in strong. Um, and, and I would, uh, I think that that career, that plethora, that overwhelming feeling of what should I do? What should I do? Um, I've been working hard to get good grades. My parents went to these schools. Um, I should be a, doc a doctor. I should be a lawyer. I should do this. Um, get rid of the shoulds. And listen to what you love. Listen to what you love. And and there are career paths in life, and there are off road finding your way to you know where you're meant to be uh, in life. And I, I would put myself in the latter group. Um, I was in finance first. Um, I was an investment person and managed a mutual fund, and realized over 
you know, seven years as working my way up the corporate ladder as the first female vice president. It was everything was going well and economically as well. Um, we didn't have any money when I was a young girl. And, you know, I had my reasons for wanting to pursue this career, but it was not what lit me up inside. And I wound up making a change and going back to school and and um, doing my PhD. And I love what I do now. I love the people I get to work with. I love the sense of purpose I have every day. Um, and and I got there by really, you know, I made a big career change that surprised a lot of people by listening to the things that were really speaking to me and not doing what I felt like I should do. So it was a big pivot. And I think, and what I advise young people to, to do is just really listen to what speaks to them because um, uh, those are the things we're going to be really good at. Like the business author, Jim Collins, um, who was a wonderful mentor and, and friend talks about the things that we're good at and the things that we're encoded for. And that can change over time, but the things that we're good at, we can work hard. I can work hard and be good at finance. Um, but what I, you know, what I'm encoded for is, is the work that I'm doing now. It doesn't feel like work. Uh, it feels like I get to do, I mean, it's, it's hard, right? Because any, any, um, anything that we want to do well, we have to put significant elbow grease into, but it just, there's this incredible sense of, um, reward that I have and I learn and I'm help and working with people. I get to help people. They help me. It's a mutual learning and growth experience. Um, and don't pressure, I say to young, young girls and boys, don't pressure yourself to figure it all out. Now I had no clue what I want to do. And these things yeah. become clear over time. But see, they're not hearing those stories Yeah, yeah. enough. And I, so I, I tell girls all the time, I said, interview every adult you bump into your friends, parents, your boss at your job, whatever, just ask them when you were my age, when you were 14, 16, 18, whatever, did you know you'd be doing this cool thing that you're doing now? Yeah. And 90 something percent of them would probably say, I had no clue. No I, way. I zigzagged my way there. <laughs> but they also yeah. tell me, and I, I bet you you're running into this too. What they've come to believe falsely is that if I make one wrong choice decision, when I'm 18, I get into the quote unquote wrong major or go to the wrong college and yeah. I switch my major or yeah. 10, seven years down the road, I think oh, finance isn't for me. I mean, I need to go back to school. They see that as a failure. It's a mistake and they don't want to make that mistake. And I say, oh, no, it's not. It's not a failure. It's not a mistake. But Billie Jean life. King says it's not failure. It's feedback. Yeah, um, it's uh, uh, it, it is. And it takes, again, practice building that mindset around the fact that we're we're designed to skin knees no stress no growth no mistakes you know no we 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 cannot possibly grow into the best versions of ourselves for sitting you know surrounded by marshmallows we've got to go through you know sticks and stones and we got to go through hard things to get there and trusting the process trusting um for young people and this is this is hard because we're figuring out who we are when we're young we're not really sure who we are yet we're forming we've got all these things going on we've got hormones going crazy um the executive function is not fully online it just it's there's a lot there's a lot going on but this is where i believe settling into this larger set of um concepts around who we are as human beings how we want to show up is important and it's calming because we do have control over those things some things are going to go well in life some things are going to go badly we're going to make good decisions we're going to make bad decisions 
We can't see up and around the corner. We just can't. Um, our job is to do the best we can, have the most data that we can, um, really know that the little decisions, like what I'm having for breakfast in the morning and if I'm exercising and if I'm uh, you know, getting enough sleep at night, those factor into the bigger decisions that we make during our day because they affect our mood and our whole prism mm -hmm. through which we look at life. Um, recognizing those things and 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 just trusting in 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 who we are as human beings and that the things are meant that are meant to come our way the things that really light us up like paying attention to what are the conversations that really get us excited what are the topics who are the people why are why am i excited about them why do i feel better after being in conversation with them than i did beforehand what do they do what is it about that Dial into those things that are like underneath what the actual job title is, because that, those are the things that I think provide um, the most important guidance. And clearly there's, you know, economic concerns and so forth and, and, and paying bills. And but, you know, the people that we work with are incredible. We have families who we live with, but then we have the choice of the schools we go to, the people we're working with longer term, um, and they all fuel our sense of possibility and being with people who see us, who value us, um, who value us for our human being rather than our human doing. Those are the people that are going to get us going in the right direction and help us amplify the light that each and every one of us has that's just waiting to, to get out and be expressed. And if young adults are willing to take the time to do their tombstone legacy, if they're willing to think about what is my end in mind and, and do that when they're not emotional and when they're you know, with themselves and quiet, then they're going to create their North Star, as you described. And then to me, then decisions are much easier because you've already decided. You yeah. decided most of it. Yeah. Now it's just a matter of just, you know, having the courage to do it, knowing what's yeah. right. 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 Staying aligned with the Yoda Code or Tombstone Legacy, whatever. You, I mean, they're really the same thing. The, the Yoda yeah. Code is, a, I, call, I call it that because it just, it's, um, it just feels, um, I mean, it just feels snappy. And I think it's hard for um, young people to think about sometimes, you know, the tombstone, it feels like it's, but it, it is, a, it's the same basic concept of thinking about those constructs that are the most important um, over the long game of life. And if you talk to people, I've got books on wisdom back here on my bookshelves and 80 year old, 90 year old, hundred year olds, they're not talking about how much money's in their bank account or that they, you know, had this job or that job. It's really about the quality of their relationships, um, how they showed up, things they're able to able to do for other people. We were really encoded to to help others. You know, human beings would not have survived have, had we gone it alone. And so, I would very much um, encourage. You know, purpose is a big word. Purpose is a very big word, and it's hard to know what your purpose is. Uh, you know, for, for young people and even adults, but thinking about those things that really light us up um, and that we are encoded for, that bring us joy, that are va that value that we can provide for others just by doing something that comes organically and naturally for us, that's the best case scenario. And if we look at the research on um, longevity, on, uh, you know, our mental kind of uh, brain health longer term, which is of course correlated with you know physical health. Um, three major factors stand out in, in people who do well and in people who don't do as well. One is doing something physically active every day because exercise biochemistry is so powerful. Um, it lifts the mood, it lifts our you know cognition, creativity, all of those things. Just 
getting used to doing something physically active every day. Um, two is having social relationships, reliable social relationships. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. It can be one person, but just people who love us for who we are, who we can count on that, you know, isolation is, 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 uh, deadly as, as smoking 15 cigarettes a day was the one study that, that came up. It's, it's, it's stressful feeling isolation. Human connection is needed because we're social beings and we're meant to be together. So doubling down on those, those people who are faucets and not drains um, is important. The third factor is having a sense of purpose. Um, something that is bigger than ourselves, that gets us out of bed every morning, uh, and connects us, gives us a, a sense of belonging with a larger group of people around something that is not about us. And that's just, that's really the recipe to to life, staying active, having you know strong uh, relationships with with people who we can trust and count on, who love us, and 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 serving others really in order to serve ourselves. And the, and the biological research on service and altruism, by the way, is powerful. It's it's uh, it shows that people who that on the giving end actually are receiving the greater gift from a neurobiological standpoint than the people on the on the receiving end. So when you're doing it for the right reasons, just because it's the right thing to do and it just it's making our world a better place. So I highly recommend you parents uh, buy this book, Wise Decisions, a science-based approach to making better choices. Um, and you know I think your information is awesome in the book, what we've been talking about. I also think it means that young people have to learn, to trust themselves and also tr I tell them you need to trust that your life will unfold for you. If you're making choices based upon this is interesting to me, or I have, a, I have an urge to do it, or you trust your gut that eventually that's how you find your purpose. You may not have, you know, the picture, the final picture when you're 18, it's okay. Most people don't have it when they're 18, yeah. but you need to trust that your life will unfold for you. If you just kind of stay the course and trust yourself and follow your, your Yoda code and all those kinds of things. Yeah. In science, there's something called the signal to noise ratio, which you know of. And following the signal, there's a lot of noise. <laughs> and, and we get better over time when we're we're attuned, we're listening, we're paying attention, we're aware of the things that are giving us the signal. That's the things that bring us joy, the, the things that light our brains up, that make us think, oh, I want to explore that. I want to learn more about that. The things that make us feel alive. That's the signal. The noise is the other stuff. Like I should do this and I should do that. And I was supposed to do that. And I didn't do that very well, but I got to get better at that's the noise. And not to say that there aren't things that we need to work on that are hard, but dialing into that signal, trusting the process, learning to trust ourselves um, and love ourselves like unconditionally. That's the key. Yeah. And you'll get to where you're going to go. Uh, besides people reading your book, Wise Decisions, is there a way for them to get a hold of you, your website or something of that sort? Yeah, I'm I'm on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, and also, um, it's Sheila Olson Walker uh, is my full name. And then my website is uh, SheilaOlsonWalker.com. And I'll spell it because we have the original Swedish spelling of Olson. <laughs> <laughs> it's S-H-E-I-L-A-O-H-L-S-S-O-N-W-A-L-K-E-R.com. And uh, the book is up there. You can get it through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, independent booksellers, um, and then a bunch of things that I've written on wellness and and uh, youth sports and and um, uh, education. So thank you um, so much, Tim, for having me on today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. 
Thank you so much for, for the book and also for being on today, too. I, I'm sure parents learned a lot. Again, I also often tell parents, this is the kind of podcast maybe you listen to with your high school daughter or son, just because they would learn something that then you, have, then you have a conversation about and then then you both learn. Thanks so much. And uh, I'll be right back with you. Well, I hope you liked that conversation. Good information. Those are some good suggestions about ways to help your daughters learn how to make better, good choices. And there's they have some work to do, like we all, all do, in order to become better at it. And it doesn't happen in a snap of your fingers. It's it's like any muscle. It's it's muscle memory. It's working at it, and you get better at making better decisions over time. Give them the information, buy the book, uh, share this podcast with your with your daughters. And Thank you again, as I always say, for for showing up here. That's most of the battle, listening in. Uh, Share these with anybody who you think would be of interest because they have a daughter. And I'll be back here with a new podcast in a week. Thanks so much for stopping by.